Welcome to Dig Deep, the mining podcast. In this podcast, we go deep into mining news, hot topics, and live interviews with mining professionals and leading figures in the mining industry. Introducing your host, Rob Tyson, founder and director of Mining International and Mining International Executive, a leading global mining recruitment and headhunting agency. Hi, mining community. Welcome back to another episode of the Dig Deep, the mining podcast. And today's guest is Rich Wignam, who is the CEO and director of Slave Lake Zinc, who are a mineral exploration uh, company focused on the development of critical and precious minerals at its O'Connor Lake property located in South Slave regions um, in the Northwest Territories of Canada. Uh, Rich is a geology, uh, Rich has a geology and finance background. Um, and is leading this junior miner into the future. And he's going to talk about um, the history of the company um, and what the company's looking to do um, to move forward with this important, obviously critical project um, and focusing what they're doing moving forward. So that's welcome, Rich, to the podcast. How are you doing, Rich? Very well. Thanks, Rob. Very much appreciate the opportunity to talk. Um, yeah. Quickly. Yeah. That's a, sorry. Didn't mean to yeah, no, I was going to say, no, that's fine. And I was going to say, appreciate you for taking the time as well. And obviously, we were speaking speaking off air. And obviously, the project that you've got is Critical Minerals. Um, but before we go into the, the company and the project, I just wonder sure. if you can give the audience, um, tell, tell the audience a little bit about yourself, about your background, about your career, uh, before we then speak about um, Slave. All right, well... Um... I left university to become a, bro- a broker and got into the finance in- industry, uh, oh, you know, back early 20s. Uh, I'm in my 60s now. Um, spent that on entire time basically uh, trading in commodities for the first half of it. And on the second half, kind of reverting back to my broader knowledge of the mining area. And, uh, uh, you know, did a lot of uh, uh money raising and financing for mining projects, you know, ones that I like. Um, anyway, about going back just a few years now, uh, as we say over here, we went, I went to the dark side and I became CEO of Slave Lake Zinc, you know, to fulfill more of that uh, from the, from, you know, uh, the side of actually running the mining company. Part of the reason I'll be honest with Rob, and I don't want to belabor this. Uh, I saw so many companies, uh, that could have done better. And let me throw a, one out for you. Uh, this is a saying that was said to me a long time ago by a, 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 an old fellow at that time. And he said, I've been in great deals with good pe- uh, with bad people and I've been in bad deals with great people, but I've never been in a great deal with great people. And so I'm trying to fulfill the third part of that. I'm sure there are some people that would disagree with that <laughs> 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 That's at this point. Um, you know, it's been a rough market pricing being what it is, but, uh, you know, that was the objective is to, uh, you know, really have a good solid company with a solid project, uh, that, uh, that, uh, myself and my partner, Jazz Ray, who's the president, uh, you know, put together to, uh, uh, bring to the public and, and ultimately be very successful, which I know we are, we've got a tremendous project. Yeah. Um, so why don't you just tell us a little bit about um, say, Lake, uh, Lake Zinc and also about the O'Connell Lake yeah. and the history and the history behind all of it? Sure. The history is important because 
O'Connor Lake um, property uh, was originally developed by private money, uh, American Yellowknife Mines. Uh, so they came in and put in a, a 100 foot, uh, 80 foot shaft with 120 feet of crosscut, head frame, everything there ready to go. Um, in the day, even that took millions of dollars uh, to do. In 1952, that was a lot, a lot, a lot of money to take out of your pocket. As the uh, mill was uh, finally getting to the point where it would be functional, the prices of uh, the commodities, in this case, lead and zinc, you know, dropped, you know, and, and zinc went from 80 cents to 15, 18 cents a pound, literally overnight. And so the operation was shuttered at that point in 52. This is important. In 53 and 54, uh, a fellow by the name of, of uh, Bonsi Prusty, who uh, was a, a, a East Indian student, not an Indigenous Indian student, but an East Indian student, um, came over and uh, or came and did a, a, his ma- a doctor's thesis, <laughs> doctoral thesis on, um, on the property. And so what's interesting about the area is that across that entire area, there are 25-odd showings of zinc and lead. Uh, so I don't want to go back and forth, but all of those showings, we're now going to show that they are connected to the primary source, which I think is our head frame area. Uh, the property itself was one of those old time stories where it literally got put into the back of the file cabinet because American Yellowknife Mines was bought and then it was taken over and then it became, you know, Ray Rock and then it became other mines. And so, as you know, in the mining industry, there's been a great deal of, of switching and consolidation with certainly the majors, you know. The history of any one of the majors has got 22, <laughs> you know, previous mining iterations behind it somewhere. Uh, and so our project got lost, except for our director, Glenn McDonald, whose dad worked actually in Yellowknife for American Yellowknife Mines, knew the project. So when it finally came up in 2006, Glenn and his partner, uh, Max, who's one of our, also a director, staked the ground. and. There you have why we have the ground. The problem was that in the late 90s, and this will feed into what our collaboration agreement is, Rob, because this is how we got to where we are. Uh, In the late 90s, uh, the Canadian government asked all of the Indigenous groups to basically set set out claim areas for where their historic area of interest they felt was. And so... The entire South Slave region, or the, you know, uh, at that time, was then carved up by you know the Dene, the Cree, the, you know the different groups, and in our case, it was the Northwest Territory Métis Nation who said that that area was historically their area that they dealt with. So, what that created was an area where you could not go and make any claims. You couldn't go and do any work you couldn't do anything and so our little lease which was technically um staked prior to any of this claiming was left for the owners in our case us but we couldn't do anything around it the problem with that is after we did a quick couple of rounds of, of ground geophysics 
we discovered that our mineralization went literally from border to border on the original claim group and obviously kept going. So we knew that we had to do something about improving our land position. And so uh, to do that, what we had to do was to uh, engage with, uh, obviously, the Indigenous groups, specifically the Northwest Territory Métis Nation, who we um, had a couple of previous agreements and leading up to a collaboration agreement, the collaboration agreement <clears throat> allowing us to uh, um, ask the government for an order in council to open up a larger package of ground. And so we went from roughly 700 acres to uh, the better part of 15 and a half, 16,000, well, no, 17,000 acres um, surrounding our ground. What's important with that is going back to when I mentioned to you that we knew in the area historically, there were some uh, 25 odd showings of zinc and lead that were also there. So prior to the collaboration agreement, I know this sounds convoluted. We did a 900 line kilometer airborne geophysics of the same style of geophysics we used on the ground. Now I'm not gonna go through that because my geologist is able to do that. I'm not the guy to do that, but it was the same kind of geophysics. They match up perfectly. And so what we have is we have uh, a great package now to go and move forward with, with the geophysics been done, the land acquisition now been done finally, and uh, you know we're ready to, to move forward. What's the importance of the uh, collaboration agreement that you mentioned earlier? Well, this, it allows us uh, to uh, move our project literally through to the feasibility stage without having to uh, have any interference. So if any of your viewers, which I'm sure there are plenty who are aware of what the Canadian environment is, is that there has been a, a real issue for many, many years where uh, juniors and, and uh, even seniors have not talked to the stakeholders to go forward with their projects. And, and in a matter of minutes, literally, they can be stopped at whatever level the stakeholders want to, to uh, from going forward. And it can be a real problem. So I'll give you one quick example. The Ring of Fire, which uh, uh, is in uh, uh, northwestern Ontario, it is a massive project and it's had nothing but issues and continues to because they uh, went across, I think it was 13, 11 or 13 different indigenous groups areas and didn't talk to any of them initially. Well, those people, you know, how you know, deserve some respect. You can't really do that and expect to be welcomed, <laughs> you know, onto uh, with your project. So, what we did is we did that first to make sure that the uh, uh, groups understood the benefits of what we were doing for them as well. And that was going back part of that 900 line kilometer flying, which is a big area. I mean, that's a significant area of airborne geophysics uh, was to show the uh, um, uh, um, representatives, the proper representatives, you know, what we thought we had. And as it turns out, we have significantly more than what we thought we had. 
So, you know, we're um, keeping that geophysics, you know, basically as a, a proprietary. So, you know, they, there's only the company insiders are aware of what, what all is there. But I can tell you, we're very, very, very happy with that geophysics. I'm, I'm not going to shy away from that comment for sure. Yeah. And all of it leads in, it's a kind of a total package. So the collaboration agreement was critical in us being able to stake uh, the, the ground around us because the um, land had to be withdrawn from the withdrawal. I know that sounds funny, but uh, it had to be taken back uh, out of the withdrawal and given back to the crown in this case, which is the federal government acting. And there's still laws, you know, acting for the queen, et cetera, et cetera, because we're in the territories, we're not in the provinces. And allowed us to go and stake it as if it was open ground uh, somewhere else that didn't have any withdrawal or any claim on it. So uh, that ground is very precious to us, and it's and it's a very good piece of ground. Um, yeah. So I wonder if you just tell us about the sort of location um, and the infrastructure surrounding, uh, obviously, the project. Um, obviously, those in Canada will probably be more familiar, but people uh, who listen to this podcast can be anywhere around the world. Well, if people, you know, pick up a map, like it is so easy now just to go and, you know, get on your phone or get on something and Google the area. Uh, the closest uh, uh, town is, a, is called Fort Resolution, and it's uh, about 50 kilometers to pretty much north of, uh, well, it's north and, and west of us. Uh, there was a winter road, and just to explain for people outside of um, the Northern Hemisphere, uh, a winter road is what you cut into the ground in the winter so you can move back and forth. If moving it, moving things in the winter is really easy. Moving things in the summer is really hard because, you know, you've got frozen lakes, you've got frozen rivers, you've got frozen things. You can, you know, go back and forth. So we have a winter road already that's there from the old days that goes from our location to Fort Resolution. From, from Fort, Re Re Fort Resolution, there is an all-winter or an all-weather road that goes from there to what would be the first junction, which is Hay River, which has a railhead. Now, Hay River is about 110 or 20 kilometers from Fort Resolution, but between Hay River and Fort Resolution, we have the Osisco rehabilitation of the old Kaminko mine. Now, just as a sidebar on that, Rob, that mine at one point was the largest lead zinc mine in the world and uh, produced uh, 15, 18 years uh, uh, Mississippian style uh, mineralization. Uh, it, it is a very, very, very significant producer back in its day. I think at one point it was the largest lead zinc, as I said, mine produ uh, producing mine in the world. So we can get out pretty easy. Our, our stuff is not hard to, to get out to this uh, south uh, east of us a little bit and not very far at all is, is a what's called the Tolston River Hydro Project. Now, the Hydro Project uh, actually will have lines literally running either through or right beside our property so that we'll be within just a couple of kilometers of being able to, uh, you know, hook into that hydropower. And that's really important to us because uh, up in the territories, really, once you get north of uh, Edmonton say just about everything runs off a of diesel and that's horrible. That's just a horrible way to produce. And it's a horrible way to, to run a town and run a mine. 
So we'll be on the hydro line, which allows us to claim our greenness, which we can do. And, you know, that's very important. So we've got power right, you know, right there. And then we've got the rail line uh, up to the Northwest where uh, uh, right now uh, across the lake from us, uh, uh, there's a new mine that is uh, uh, barging ore across the lake to that railhead and shipping it south. So our infrastructure uh, needs are, are really well taken care of and, and, and we look forward to you know, getting to that level of development for that. Um, your previous news release uh, had mm-hmm. mentioned border-to-border mineralization, and obviously you just yes. briefly covered that. Just wonder if you can expand on, on what that actually means. Well, what that means is that where the head frame is, is over top essentially of the uh, discovery veins that uh, um, the old fellas, you know, put all that money into. Now, back in 52, it's long enough ago that you can't rely on on that kind of historic, you know, kind of attitude. Because as, you know, the older miners will tell you that are, you know, out there that, um, you know, they didn't do an awful lot of work before they did some commitments to doing things sometimes. And so... uh, what it means in our case, it means that for over a, a kilometer, you know, in, a, in direction both ways, uh, and then on a second vein that was not, you know, part of the known package before, we have uh, that go from border to border to our, of our original property. So what you're looking at is uh, uh, what we uh, um, had prior to the acquisition of the land that now surrounds all that. So we were very fortunate in the sense that there was a withdrawal because I can promise you if there wasn't, we would have had a real tough time fighting everybody off that would want to be staking, you know, on all our boundaries all around us. So we were able to, you know, deal with that without having to um, uh, do other things. So we have all the ground that we can, that we believe is is necessary to uh, um, cover up on all those extensions on, on uh, the mineralization that's there. Yeah. Um, why did you do a 900-kilometer geophysics uh, before before you uh, uh, acquired the expanded land position? Um, and what, we're why crazy. did you? <laughs> and I was just saying, why did you increase the land as well? Well, we did it because knowing that the mineralization went border to border, and to be quite frank, the geophysics that we used. Um, is really simple stuff uh, on the scale of geophysics. You know, it's not it's not complicated geophysics as geophysics goes. So it's not super black box stuff. It's just you know regular black box stuff. And um, our partners, I will call say that uh, the Northwest Territory Métis Nation. Um, you know, there there are questions, of course, in the other indigenous groups. You know, or why do you what what do you want to do that? What, what's going on with you there? Why should we allow you to do all of this? Uh, you know, you're you're asking us to do special things because you know it's our land and all the rest. And so to satisfy all the questions in one kind of fell swoop, I flew it because that showed why we wanted to enhance our project and. Uh, when we got the geophysics back, as I say, it was you know much better than we'd even anticipated. 
And it was very clearly and very definitively obvious to anybody who sees the whole thing why it's important that we were allowed to uh, acquire the land. Because, of course, we have 100% ownership of the land, quote unquote, because it's not, you know, it's never really our land. It's always, you know, the stakeholders are there. Uh, but at that point, it was, you know, easy to show that if we were allowed to proceed, ultimately, it would be extremely profitable, likely, you know, for the uh, Indigenous groups in uh, the South Slave, which, you know, include Fort Smith, Hay River, Fort Resolution, our closest neighbor, and uh, in, then the broader communities, you know, surrounding. And, you know, there aren't really very many operating anythings, you know, in that area of the Northwest Territories. The Northwest Territories right now is really the diamond mines and, you know, one or two other smaller type, you know, uh, uh, gold mines or smaller mines that are that are doing things so uh we can be a tremendous uh, uh employment opportunity you know for the people there and that helped show that rob where it became fairly clear that uh when you have it explained to you by you know in our case glenn mcdonald our geologist and you know myself a little bit because i have some knowledge um that the opportunity was definitely there to let us proceed for us not to proceed would be very negative on the communities. And one of the things that I'll quickly mention about small Northern communities, they're like small communities anywhere in the world that have a longstanding history. If you want to keep your young people in the community, you have to have reason for them to be in the community history doesn't matter. What you need are jobs and you need to have uh, uh, the ability to make, you know, a good living while you're in that community. And that's what we're offering with uh, uh, the development of our project. Yeah. <clears throat> the importance of the Prusty thesis, which I'm not sure if mm-hmm. I pronounced that correctly, um, yes. is developing the hydrothermal model um, and how it pertains to your current field work. I just wonder if you can explain a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I almost fell off my chair when I read that thesis. And it's very simple. Um, there is nothing else that this can be. It is hydrothermal. Uh, you can throw all the rocks at it you want, so to speak, but it's hydrothermal. And so ultimately what our Mr. Proust did over those two Summers, I should say Dr. Prusty, because he became a doctor after he wrote this thesis, is that he showed that all of the showings within the area were also from the same source. Um, let me quote just a sec here. It, it appears that all the mineralized quartz showings, veins occurring in this area, have had the same source. Well, that means that somewhere within our new area of interest, there is one huge vent something that created the fluids that created uh, uh, chemically similar uh, lead zinc showings. Now they didn't do precious metals back in the day and they didn't do other things. And so we've got to go back and bring all of this up to modern uh, uh, ability, modern uh, science. 
And so that's what we're doing literally right now. We have, uh, uh, we're ground proofing, shall we say, uh, to bring up to 43101 standard, which is the mining standard that I think everybody's aware of, um, you know, to take it to a modern level. And so when I read Dr. Proustie's thesis, who spent two years in the lab and in the field and taking samples and you know, writing in the entire area up that we now have, you know, these showings, some of them are 15 kilometers apart. Well, if you've got lead and zinc that's 15 kilometers apart and it comes from the same source and you can show that chemically, then I would suggest that you've got something of importance. And that's what we have. Yeah. Proving that now. Um, obviously, Canada going, is going through a lot of, uh, lot of, um, political issues at the moment. I just wonder if you yes. can just tell us a little bit about the current market um, and obviously the, the political events um, and how that may influence um, some of your decisions moving forward. Well, we were lucky enough, actually, to have the government a couple of months ago put out a list of, quote, strategic metals. Now, you know, most countries already have. You know, the U.S. has had a list of strategic metals. You know, Britain's had it forever. Well, you know, Canada finally did, and they included zinc on that list. And so, you know, our primary, you know, uh, uh, metal that is there that we don't have to sort of, you know, walk around till we reprove everything because of the, you know, difference between now and the 50s, you know, is zinc. And we've got 12 to 17% zinc in, uh, you know, a, a significant quantity uh, that will become a much more significant quantity. And that will, make it easier uh, to get government backing, for example, because in Canada, there are really only a couple of places where you are producing zinc uh, in any description, and certainly not in the quantity that we'll, we will be able to. Now, when Osisco gets the uh, old Kamenko mine, uh, the Pine Point mine, uh, up and running and going, uh, they feel that they could become as much, as high as the fourth highest producer in the world, which would be significant. But that will also help us out because their processing and our processing and all processing and all the rest of that, you know, may well have lots of things in common that can be, you know, done on a collective basis. So, uh, you know, the, right now, uh, it's very, very important in Canada to develop uh, our own sources of these metals. And uh, I believe we're, we've had great support from the Northwest Territory government. That, that there's no reason that isn't going to continue from the federal government. Yeah. Um, and as a conclusion, um, just wondering what the outlook is for the next sort of six to 12 months. Um, and is there any final thoughts that you want to let our audience know? Well, I, I guess the best way to start is, you know, as a junior company, we're always looking for you know, advanced funding, you know, thinking ahead, because we do need to, you know, do a, a significant, you know, work program coming up. Uh, you know, the last couple of years, to be quite frank, we have, uh, time is a killer for uh, mining companies, because when you've got no uh, uh, income, uh, time still steals your money as you go forward. And so we could we could certainly would like to to speak with people who you know see the vision and, and would like to participate. Um, we, as I say, are right now bringing all of those showings 
that are historic into a modern framework. And if you don't think I'm excited about that, well, you're quite wrong. I am very excited about that. I, I'm, you know, hurry up, get going. <laughs> <laughs> our, our, our fellas, you know, I just let's get at it. So uh, that's exciting right now for us. And that, that'll be, uh, you know, we'll have a lot of those results, results back, you know, from assay, from, from the work, et cetera, you know, in October, September, October. Uh, and that's very exciting. And after that, you know, I mean, as we go forward, you know, the, the it's a project that is going to have lots of, you know, high, high marks to it. Uh, it's exciting. We're helping the communities around us. We're, you know, we have all the right check marks with uh, um, uh, our infrastructures, you know, not just green, but extraordinarily green. Uh, you know, we don't have to, you know, rely on on great long distances and, and, you know, things like the diamond mines, which have hundreds of kilometers that they've got to go to go to places and you know, so we're in a really good place, uh, you know, for a very significant project and ultimately a tremendous development. Yeah. And and I suppose lastly, why would any of our audience or anyone that's listening to either the podcast or the YouTube channel of this episode, mm-hmm. why would they want to um, invest in um, Slave Lake Zinc? Well, I would hope, Rob, that the last 30 minutes tells them why. And if they watch the podcast at all, I would hope that they understand that we've got a really good project and that, you know, this is the time that you want to be involved because if you're involved now, you should make significant returns on your investment, you know, and if you are in the position to help us finance where we're going, then that would be very positive also. Yeah. Rich, really appreciate your time and giving us a, Overview, it seems a really exciting project, a huge landmass. Zinc is a critical metal, as you said. It's obviously on a lot of countries, um, yeah, a lot of countries, um, critical metals or minerals that are needed for us as a, as a world to move forward. So um, really wish you well in your, um, in your projects moving forward. Um, if our audience wants to reach out to you, if they've got any questions that they want to ask, um, how can they go about contacting you? And are you on any social media? Um, well, we have a LinkedIn and uh, I'm not, yeah, there's two ways, you know, and these aren't secret. One is my, uh, is, uh, you know, the company's, uh, my email, which is rwigham, R-W-I-G-H-A-M at Zinc Corp, Z-I-N-C-C-O-R-P dot C-A. Don't forget the second C in Zinc Corp. And the other one, of course, is I'm always available on the phone, 604-396-5762. And I'm not afraid to speak to people. Yeah, no, that's good. And we can include those in the show notes accompanying this anyway. So um, for ease access uh, um, for people to obviously uh, reach out to you. So um, really appreciate your time. Good luck with the good luck with the project. Maybe you want to come on uh, beginning part of next year and give us an update on uh, on proceedings. Yep. That's great to hear. Um, those that are listening, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, as um, as Rich said, obviously zinc is a, a critical metal or mineral that is needed, um, and they've got a great project here at Slave Lake Zinc 
Um, and yeah, please, uh, please have a look at have a look at the project. Have a look at the website, which I'll include in the show notes. Um, and if you've like, if you've got any questions, then obviously feel free to reach reach out to Rich. Um, appreciate if you can share this episode amongst others in the industry, friends, colleagues, etc. Uh, whether you're in Canada or even if you're outside of Canada as well. Um, so obviously, people can listen to this uh, to the, listen to this content and obviously listen to this exciting project. So until next time, happy mining. Thank you for listening. Remember to reach out to Rob via the show notes and be sure to subscribe and leave a review. Until next time, happy mining, helping each other to improve the mining industry.